This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Josh Anderson with speed, left wing of the Vancouver zone, two on one. Anderson shoots, stopped by Delia. Rebound is played back into his own net by Quinn Hughes. It bounced off Hughes in front of the goal. Right back past Colin Delia. Quinn Hughes, near side, JT Miller shoots, tip, they score! And it's Andre Kuzmenko at the side of the net that ties the game at six. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Pedersen might have got his stick in there, but now here's Pedersen to the goal. He scores! Elias Pedersen ends a wild night tonight in Vancouver. As the Canucks score their seventh of the game just 13 seconds into overtime. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks miraculously find a way to win this game 7-6 in overtime over the Montreal Canadiens. Down 4-0 after the first period. Look listless out of it. No chance. Fans booing. Fans upset. Our texting box was absolutely burning down with people talking about apathy. They're tired of it. I, mean, I was musing about how, you know, Canucks fans at the rink, they deserve better. 4-6-1 and one on home ice heading into this game. Down 4 nothing after 20 minutes. Hey, the Habs fans, they got what they wanted through 20. Canucks fans, another disappointing game at Rogers Arena. Boy, did that narrative flip in a massive way. Canucks storm back to win. I mean, uh, who saw that one coming the way it went, Randy? Because when they were down 4 nothing, I did not think this type of game was in store for us. Yeah, if you would have had a conversation about overtime, we would have been talking about a different game. Not this one. 4 nothing after 20 minutes. And, Sat, I've, we've all watched a lot of hockey games. A lot of hockey games in our life. Have you seen anything like that? Where a team looks completely out of it after 20, ends up with 13 goals, and only one of those goals on the power play. Only one of them. Everything else happening 5-on-5. Five five. Just wild. Uh, absolutely wild for the Canucks. It is Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, Randy Janda on the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Send your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Like Tim in Vancouver says, Canucks win in overtime. Because Elias Pettersson, some revenge on Mike Matheson, stripping him of the puck and then putting it past, past Montembeau to give the Canucks the victory. And 3.9 for Pettersson, a goal and two assists. But that play... That was something in overtime. And, yeah, you know, uh, the, you know, some people wonder, was that a penalty or not? It looked like Matheson was off balance a bit, and Patterson just kind of knocked him over. To me, that was a clean play. Yeah, and it was anything, a bit of a tap, right? It was. If anything, the, the refs owed them one after uh, not having that face-off go outside the Canucks zone, which led to the Habs tying the game 4-4. And this win might have actually... I mean, 5-5, uh, sorry. Uh, this, this win actually might have caught, or sorry, saved Bruce Boudreaux some money, too, because the way he was yelling on the bench <laughs> after that face-off decision... You know he was going to say something after game, so uh, I think the W might save him a few bucks too. I don't know, man. I'm just going to say that all night. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what do you even say? Oh, we were joking sad in the first intermission. It's like, are fans even getting their money's worth? Boy, oh boy. Seven, they got your six. money's worth tonight. No matter what, if you were wearing red, if you are wearing blue tonight, like... You're going home remembering this one for a while. That was an emotional roller coaster, right? Like, even after that Quinn Hughes deflection into the own net, you're saying, all right, the game is lost. And guys, just up, down, up, down all game long. Just a, it was a bit of a soap opera over three periods, really. I mean, what was your personal journey like watching this game? Like, <laughs> you, you yeah. start off, I mean, people were texting yeah. David North Ends, like, I went from being excited to being, to being um, ang- frustrated to being angry. Now I'm apathetic. That's how they felt after the first four, 20 minutes. And even after 40, hey, Canucks scored two in the third, in the second. You're within two. But, hey, the third starts is a bit sleepy. Montreal does a good job of keeping things pretty much where they're at. 
And then Vancouver just, you know, just takes over late in the third. I mean, hey, it's not a great opponent, the Montreal Canadiens, but you have to give the guys credit for we always talk about them wilting, which they have. Yep. We talk about them being mentally not strong enough this year, and they haven't shown the toughness, and, you know, they, they've lost a lot of leads. Well, here's a game. They had a four-goal deficit. They stuck with it and found a way to win it. Yeah, when everybody probably in this building, definitely we were talking about, okay, you might not win this game. You're probably not going to win this game, but how do you at least get the next goal? And to come back and win that game in an up-down game. But I look back at that 4-2 goal, guys, where Besser and Pedersen are doing work on the four-check. And Mikheyev ends up scoring that. Mm -hmm. And Pedersen makes the elite play and just being so patient before he gets to Mikheyev. But that shift right there, that sequence between Besser and Pedersen, that was a game-changer where it went from, hey, we got a goal in this game to... All right, now we now there's belief amongst the team to say, all right, this is a two-goal deficit, and these guys, the best players, and Pedersen specifically, just doing the work, something that they did in the opening couple of minutes, but they couldn't get the result. That, to me, that sequence was key in this game. It, it was one of the only goals they look at tonight because they're all so random, so yep. bizarre. Like the Horvat rebound goal and probably that goal were the only ones that are like, okay, that's the sort of stuff that's sustainable over and over again because Besser kicks that whole sequence off with some good work, and, yeah, they showed a little chemistry together. Obviously not a lot of time spent together on the ice this year, but they've played together for long stretches uh, in previous seasons. And then, like, the Studnika goal, like, that's kind of random. And, and even the the first of goal, like, that kind of comes from nothing as well, against the flow of play, yep. certainly. And, and everything else is just... Like, what was your favorite goal this evening, right? Like, it's it's it was all over the place this evening. I'm going to take you behind the scenes here. I have a, a, a page of notes. Usually it's kind of tidy today. It's an absolute, yeah. <laughs> just a mess. <laughs> I don't even know what I've written down after this game. I mean, I don't even know what we watched, really. Uh, Canucks down 4 nothing. They come back to win this game 7-6 in overtime over the Montreal Canadiens. Let's go outside the Canucks locker room where a fan favorite, a man who is the all-time hits leader for NHL defensemen, had more hits tonight helping the Canucks win 7-6 in overtime. And it is Luke Shen joining us. And, and Luke, I mean, what are the emotions like in a game like this? I mean, we were talking to Curtis Lazar after the, the second period about how, you know, guys were obviously down after the first and, you know, trying to rally back or whatever. But walk us through the emotions, being down 4 nothing, then winning in overtime like that. <laughs> I don't even know what to, what to say. I mean, yeah, down 4 nothing. Uh, the one, you know, I guess we had no quit all night. I mean, uh, you know, obviously... <laughs> Spotting a team of four goal lead is, is not really how you draw it up, but guys kind of stepped with there, stuck with it. Um, Delio came back, came in there and, and uh, kept us in and kind of fought and, and made some big saves and a couple tough bounces there in the third period. But guys, kind of, you know, kept battling back and yeah, you're not sure whether you should celebrate or just go back to the drawing board and try to figure out what the heck just happened. But you know, we'll take the two points and. Um, yeah, a win's a win, but uh, let's try not to do too many of those. That's for sure. Luke, you've played 890 games in the NHL. You ever play one like that? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I I feel like I've uh, played like one in uh, you know on Xbox or something like that. Probably seven six games. That's probably the closest to it. I don't know if I've been in games like that or not. But I mean, uh, yeah, the guys. I, I don't know. We were resilient tonight. Um, like I said, four goal lead. Uh, I don't know. I, you know what? To be honest, at the end of the second there, we kind of we kind of got going. Got a couple bounces. Uh, you know, to cut it in half to four two and. As you see uh, throughout the league, two goal leads are not safe. I mean, you look around the league every night; teams are teams are blowing leads in the third period. So, you know, we kind of figured like we were due for one, and we had we did have positive energy going into the third period. And you know, guys came out, and then you know they they got a couple, and next thing you know we're down and power play. And yeah, I mean uh, the whole script is just ridiculous and it's wild. But I mean, uh, you know, we'll take the two points. 
uh, as you mentioned, there's been plenty come from behind wins throughout the course of the season. You guys have certainly been on the share end of, of the receiving end of those. You know, just watching that, like we feel mentally exhausted after going through that. How do you feel after that one? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, watching even like the NHL last last week, I feel like I saw two or three games, you know, three or four goal lead, uh, comebacks. I think Rangers had one on them in the, in the third period. It was four goals the other day. I can't remember who was against. Oilers maybe, that's who it was. But, yeah, I mean, so – you saw one, and you're, you're you're talking amongst yourself, and it's kind of uh, you know news around the league. And then when you have one again tonight, obviously, you know the crowd was energetic the whole night. It was uh, it was back and forth, and I don't know if anyone expected that. I mean, hey, for every fan who showed up or everyone watching on TV, they got their money's worth. I, I guess you could put it that way. What was the tone of the conversation in the first intermission between the group, and how was that different from the second intermission? Honestly, in the first period, I mean, the first eight, nine, ten minutes, we I felt like we did a lot of good things. We had some chances. We controlled a lot of the play, and, and they got a goal, and, you know, they, they got another one right after that. And uh, next thing you know, it was <laughs> you look up, and it's 4 nothing. But the start of the game, I, I really don't feel like, you know, we, we played bad. And then all of a sudden, you know, like once they got one, they they kind of got a few on us. But uh, after that, we kind of regrouped. Second period, um, a little more solid. Still some frustration because... You know, we had some, some D-zone shifts where we were hemmed in a little bit and it kind of looked like uh, we're on our heels. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we, we kind of got those goals at the end of the second period and gave us some life. And, you know, we kind of felt that, uh, you know, if we kept throwing pucks on the net and getting guys around the crease into the inside that we'd, we'd catch some breaks. And I don't know, he's just one of those games that I, I kind of, I don't want to say I said it's a 7-6 game, but going into the third period, I, I definitely felt we had a chance. So uh, luckily we pulled it off. Well, there's been a lot of talk in the last few days about, you know, how you guys hold yourselves to higher standards than what we've seen this season. Bruce talked about that. JT talked about that. And, you know, you guys went off that streak. You won five out of six and obviously, you know, didn't quite go as well as you wanted on this homestand. We're still waiting for a moment that you guys, like, it all clicks together. Can that be this moment where you guys, you know, you had the 4 nothing deficit, you know, you, you kind of stubbed your toes the first couple of games here, but won these last two games? Like, we're all trying to find that moment to see if you guys get on a run here. Like, is it is it just too easy to look at it like that? Like, this one game gets you there? Well, I mean, I, I think it certainly helps as far as knowing that no matter what game, you're, you're always going to be in it, right? I mean, it doesn't matter... I think that's one thing that we've honestly kind of struggled with a little bit. We've been down in first periods, especially at home, and, you know, we haven't been able to claw, claw back at all. And, um, you know, we've given up leads, but we haven't, not that I recall, you know, come back and, and really uh, won a game after being down a couple. Usually it's it's kind of wrapped up for us, and, and that was uh, definitely a positive that we were able to come back there tonight. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know if that's the moment or not, but, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting how we can look pretty solid, you know, at times and, and some games where it looks like it's starting to come together and then you kind of lose a little bit. And, um, you know, that's just the consistency that's growing as a team. And um, that's that's obviously something that we got to continue to work for and strive for. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot there's a there's a dog fight around the league for there's a lot of points up for grabs and a lot of games left. And it's it's a bit of a log jam. So, yeah, if we can find a little bit of consistency there, then uh you know, hopefully uh, this is the one that kicks off for us. Well, you are right. The game didn't start off the way you wanted, but 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 by the end of it, everybody here got their money's worth. Hey, Luke, always a pleasure getting you on the show, man. Congrats on the win, and best of luck hitting out on the road again. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, that is Luke Shen, Canucks defenseman. Canucks win 7-6. Yes, 7-6 in overtime after being down 4 nothing in the first period. And uh, Luke Shen never played a game like that except maybe on Xbox. Yeah, that's the, that's that's the assessment it. from the, uh, the le- one of the leaders on this team. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, that's been the big frustration about this team. It's They've had some stretches where they've done some good things. You know, okay, are they getting out of it? And then they kind of fall flat. And they started this homestand being one game under 500. The end is homestand being one game under 500. So they still haven't been able to yeah. get to that mark. But 
if there's ever a night where you look at a single game to get you on track, if this isn't the one that does it, then I don't know what will. You know, and I'm not even sure that it will because I have to be. I want them to prove it, mm-hmm. get on a run, and yep. and get yourself back to stability. As long as you're under 500, I have a hard time taking it seriously. But if this moment, guys, if this moment coming down for four nothing deficit doesn't get them going and get them on track, then I don't know if anything will this season. I think a key factor there is, A, yeah, you have the four-goal deficit in this game, then you give up the lead, but this is also the team that beat you pretty soundly in Montreal. Like, there was a bit of a history there where they did outplay you in Montreal. So to come back in this game, it wasn't tidy, it wasn't pretty. I'm sure, I'd I'd love to, I can't wait to listen to Bruce Boudreaux's comments just about what he thought about the game, because I'm sure he's happy for the team to win. But as a coach, you're probably looking at the details of this game and saying, we can't ever do that again. So it's it's a, a positive step, guys. But at the same time, I think it does mean something based on the fact that, hey, man, we've seen this team buckle and not yeah. respond. So you have to take it as a positive. But looking ahead, you got to build upon it, right? You're only as good as your last effort, and you got to continue because those games against Washington and Florida, uh, they're not that far back in the rearview mirror. You have to continue, and you have to continue to pick up points. Yeah, this isn't it, man. I'm losing my voice. Uh, this isn't a game where I'm I'm pulling a lot out of it, man. Like I, I you're, you're pulling the two points out. I, of it. That's I understand it. that yep. they have to try to use this moment. Like we saw everything that we've seen th- so far this season in mm-hmm. the last 60 minutes. They're chaotic. They're up. They're down. They're behind. They're in front. They lose a lead. They gain a lead. They win an OT. Like that was the whole season and everything. That, all the struggles and all the frustrations frustrations you've had through 25 games were exhibited tonight, and that doesn't mean that any of them were solved. This team still has to correct a lot of issues, a ton of issues. Of course. Yeah, they can score yeah. goals, but are nine games from now, are we talking about a team that's gone on a run because of this game, or are we talking about a team that's three and six, four and five, five and four kind of thing? If we're, if we're uh, setting up betting odds on it, the odds are long that they figure it out. The odds are they're going to be what they've been. I mean, that's what they've shown so far this season. But hey, you got to be fair when you come back from a four nothing deficit. I'm just, I'm just sure. wondering, like, if, yeah. if this isn't the moment, like, if they, the, the guys talk about it. You heard JT talk about it. You heard Bruce talk about it. He said um, the other day that they believe that they can meet their standards, and if they do, they'll, you know, they'll get back into it, and they think that they can do that as the season goes on and all and all that but stuff. But that's what's so frustrating, set. It's like they show it's in them. Well, yeah, but you yeah. got to do it consistently. But, but yeah. usually. Th- so how do you grow and mature? You have moments that lead to maturity, lead to growth, and lead to you figuring things out. That's life. And certain moments, if they don't mature you, nothing will. And as a group, if this isn't a moment where it's like, okay, like this shows us, let, let's get it together here, and we ended on a high note, then you are what you are. And the reason it's such a, a tricky question is because they were also so volatile in this game, right? Where they were up and down. They were, you know, as you mentioned, Bick, they were – they were very <laughs> defensively. It was tough to watch at times, especially in that first and even the beginning of that second period. So, you know, that's going to be up to them. And I think Luke Shen, you know, said it a, a good way. Like, hey, I've never been a part of that. That was exhausting. But the fact is, and he's talked about this a couple of times, where it's on the veterans because they're veterans. They've been there, done that. But the young guys, everybody's got to pull together and bring that effort. So to me, guys, it's, it's could this be the beginning of something? Perhaps. I don't know. But to your point, the track record of this year, the games that they've played, you have to look at that and say, all right, what's the evidence telling me? Until you prove otherwise, the evidence tells me uh, it's not going to be that. But that's on them to change that narrative in the city. Unconvinced still in sure. many ways yeah, about absolutely. it. Uh, Randeep, always a pleasure having you on the show, man. And we look forward to chatting with you on Wednesday. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. Yes. Uh- <laughs>
I'm lot. just laughing at the inbox. Like some uh, people were like, "I went for groceries at four nothing. What happened? What happened? Yeah." So text in if you if you checked out at four nothing. Like tell us what you did and what you missed. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Chris Conte on Twitter says, Sat just says he thinks this win can propel the Canucks to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, n- not sure about that. Hey, listen. Uh, I've been fooled too many times when it comes to this team over the years. We've all been fooled. Like Trucker James says, I'm not getting fooled. A Rager Texan says, I'm not getting fooled. It is one game, hell of a game. 7-6 is the score for the Canucks winning in overtime over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, before we get out, we are going to get to head coach Bruce Boudreaux here. A lot of reaction on a text inbox pick. Uh, this one here says, I left for groceries, gave up, and then was jumping up and down yeah. in my kitchen during OT. Just wow. So a people lot of people... Also texting in, thank you for providing the live betting odds in the first intermission. Hey, that's what we do. We we provide a public service. Yeah. Because they were down big. They were down big, and they came back to win this one. Uh, Because some people were like, why? In the first intermission when we said it, people texted in. It's like, why are you even presenting this information? They're not coming back. Uh, And now, after uh, 7-6 overtime, when everyone's had to sweat out multiple lead changes and, and all the chaos and drama in that game. Uh, Canucks walk away with two points. Yeah, uh, this one says I came home at four nothing. Didn't watch anything. Just saw the highlights and have have to have to have to come to my car to listen to the <laughs> post game show. Yes, stay on the post game show. We'll get to more of your thoughts as well on the text inbox, and also we'll hear from head coach Bruce Boudreau coming up. And Bick, what you got? Oh no, I was waving at Cam. Oh, you're waving at Cam, not at me. I thought you were waving at me. All right, Cam Bear has his head down. Keep your head on a swivel. Don't be like you're you're off Slavkovsky. You'll get blown up by Luke Shen. <laughs> by the way. That's the call I didn't like in this game. Keep your head up, kid. I mean, that that hit, like the, the Luke Shen hit on Slavkovsky. I know, I know, Bruce was mad about the the that puck good. that went out. That was better than the tying goal or whatever. I thought that was a more egregious call because those those calls are tough. You know, pucks going out bounces off somebody. If you can't review it, it can be so bang bang and so quick. But you know, the most egregious call to me was a Luke Shen it penalty. Was... I mean, the puck just left Slavkovsky's stick. He's looking behind him. It's a head-on hit. It's not a blindside hit. It's not a dirty hit. It's a completely 100% clean hit, and he got penalized for it. That's my biggest issue with your officiating team. It was two minutes for being larger than another human being. And being good at hitting. Yeah. Really, that's what it was. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your reaction, 650-650, and we'll give you head coach Bruce Boudreaux when he ste- steps up to the podium, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Horvat and Suzuki will take the draw at center ice. It's a scramble draw. Goes to the far boards. Caulfield plays it back into his own end for Matheson. And the Canadians start with possession. Matheson fell on the forecheck. Pedersen might have got his stick in there, but now here's Pedersen to the goal. He scores! Elias Pedersen ends a wild night tonight in Vancouver. As the Canucks score their seventh of the game, just 13 seconds into overtime. It's Pedersen's 12th of the year. And Vancouver takes it over Montreal in a thriller. 7-6. to six. 
A thriller is right. The Vancouver Canucks storm back from being down 4 nothing, win 7-6 in overtime against the Montreal Canadiens here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Big Nazar. Keep those thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll play you Bruce Boudreaux's audio when that does become available. And, man, uh, I'm, I'm loving the text. Keep keep them coming in. You know, even jokes for 60 are in, despite well, the, the Canucks winning. the stories of people sending in of, like, what they did at 4 nothing. Is incredible right now. It's inc- and what, what's also incredible is <laughs> uh, I'm getting uh, some screenshots sent to me. Like I got this one from Tavi showing that they put bets down on the Canucks when they're down 4 nothing. Like this one put 5 bucks down to win almost 60 bucks. That was Tavi. So to those who took the advice during the first intermission about Canucks being down and, you know, if you want to go on the comeback, well, paid off wise handsomely for Hada. Usually it's been going the other way, but this time it went in the Vancouver Canucks' favor. Uh, this text unsigned. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. <laughs> do you remember that? That's I can't do the uh, George Bush impersonation, oh. <laughs> but George Bush tried to say the fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how he said it. It's verbatim how he how he oh, said man, that phrase. That's great. But I can't do the uh, George Bush yeah, impersonation. Yes. Some of the stories again. I'll, I'll I'll read some of these. It's like <laughs> I went to take a shower and I came out here. And the phone was buzzing the whole time. <laughs> Oh, brother. Jeffro, I went to the gym at 4 nothing. Yeah. Attaboy. Once the Canucks tied it, I stopped lifting weights and went to the elliptical with TV screen. <laughs> My friend called during the first period asking about dating advice, and I took the call because it was more exciting. <laughs> your, your friend's uh, dating life must be thrilling to, to overpower that. Oh, game. man. Uh, Dan and Brentwood. I heard my grandpa getting into bed to sleep after the first at 4 nothing. I woke him up midway through the third and told him told him to score. He ran to the TV to watch it again. <laughs> Looking like Dan Grandpa and Joe and Willy Wonka getting out of the bed. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. What do you oh, even say? I'm not even sure. You know who I'm going to credit for tonight's win? So for a little bit, I had some friends at the game, so I, I ducked down to the stands. And it was 4 nothing, right? Just go say hi to some friends. And Crazy P was there, just down 4 nothing. He's like, got to believe in the boys. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I had that kind of energy. And sure enough, here we are, 7-6. I, I, I think tonight was for Crazy P, man. <laughs> Crazy P brought the energy? Oh, man. You got people fired up? I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The- I, I'm just thinking of all the moments, right? Like, the Bruce reacting to the refs. On its own, would have been a half hour on this post-game show. 100%. And now it's just a footnote. Uh, it is. And you know what? So uh, after the first after the first um, period, you know, I tweeted out, and we were talking about this on your mission. I'm like, hey, man, you know what? I- I'd say the fans, the paying fans deserve better, but the ha- there are a lot of Habs fans here. By the end of the game, I think everybody at least got their money's worth entertainment-wise. I mean, I have fans texting in, texting in and saying, went to the game, currently driving home with my Canucks fan friend. We are exhausted and just happy to see two, ta- two bad teams play chaotic hockey. At the end of the day, it was an exciting, fun hockey game, and that was <laughs> something fun to watch. Vikingstad, IMAC better not be ducking us after this one. IMAC he will be joining be, us. Yeah. Coming up at 11.30, we're going to midnight on the post-game show because the game started a bit later. So he's coming up for the final segment coming up in about an hour's time, a little bit less, hopefully. But, man, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Uh, absolutely. Keep it coming in. Uh, with, with whatever 
uh, you were doing tonight, uh, and, and this one. I went back and watched some old classic Cheers episodes with my lady when it was 4 nothing, and, and yeah, just just chaos. Uh, chaos. Uh, this one, did, did Elias Pettersson poke the skates of the Habs D-man on that winning goal? Uh, I'll have to take a closer look, but I don't think so. I think it was pretty... Uh, I, I think Matheson stumbled, and, and PD just kind of took over. No, I don't. Th- I think he was kind of stumbling, and Patterson yeah, knocked him it, knocked it, him it, over. No, his, his stick's not anywhere close to his skates. He, he was already kind he's of he's off balance, yeah. and I think Patterson just cannot nudge them over. I don't think that should have been a call. Like, there was nothing to make up there at all. That no. was just straight up. Um, shouldn't have been a penalty. Ryan and Shimanus, uh he texts in and says, uh, four nothing end of the first. Some, sometimes things can go so badly it becomes absurd, and so was the rest of the game. Action, comedy, drama, thriller. Ryan and Shimanus. It, it pretty much was. I mean, you couldn't help but laugh, especially when I'm still laughing. When Montreal took the six five lead again, you're like, oh, okay. I mean, Canucks had the lead. You know, uh, they tied the game up. Um, they take the lead. Montreal ties it, and then Montreal takes the lead. It's like, come on, you got to be kidding me. That's where the comedy came in, and then you get into overtime, drama, and thriller. It's, it, like, it's a good I, way of I'm describing sure, it. I know we kind of touched on it with Randy, and you kind of go through the goals here, and you're like, all oh, these were so chaotic. There were just so many scramble plays. Oh, yeah. How many do we talk about and say, like, oh, yeah, that's repeatable? I mean, like, I guess the power play goal. Uh, from Kuzmenko, because it's like we've seen you know JT Miller make that play before, and Kuzmenko kind of on the back door. Uh, but that oh, it's, it's such a chaos game and sad. There's one power play goal in this game. It's 13 goals, and only one of them came on the power play, and it was right at the end of regulation. Yeah, I, and, and I, suddenly you look at this, and I know people text in and be like, "Hey, Stunika." chipped in, and uh, Kuzmenko and Mikheyev with his two goals, like. A lot of the off-season acquisitions uh, chipping in today for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I mean, it was. Offensively, every single line chipped in tonight. They all got a goal Riley at Stillman least. Riley got two points. Riley, somehow, some way, Riley Stillman even got on the boards. Uh, a lot of reaction on Twitter as well. Adam Goss on Twitter. Sad feeling the need to tell us he can't do the George Bush accent after so clearly not being able to do the accent was pretty funny. Yeah. But Bick was just confused, so I had to kind of tell him what I was trying to do. fool me once. Shame on, shame on you. You fool me, we can't get fooled again. Yeah, there you go. That does it justice. justice. Ronil Desai, best game of the year. Atmosphere was a roller coaster all night. Kudos to the hype team and all the fans keeping their energy up. You're right. Ronil Desai, part of the hype team as well. And the fans were into it. I will say, the fans were into it to start off. As soon as the Habs fans were yelling, you know, screaming, go Habs, go Canucks fans were trying to drown them out. The, the fans were engaged from puck drop on. They there was tons of were. banter in this yeah. game, right? And there was constant back and forth between the split crowd here. And so... You know, we we commented so many times like these fans just need a moment, and it took a while, obviously. Uh, but finally, uh, uh, Garland uh, providing that goal, and, and then it was like, all right, like let's see if you can do another one. And then shortly thereafter, obviously, Mikheyev gets that goal, and suddenly now it's you know four two going into the second admission. It you, like you get a chance to reset, and, and that's why I wanted to ask the Luke Shen. It's you know like what was the tone in the conversation uh, between the first and the second intermission? And suddenly, like you go into the room, yeah, down four two, and it's like well, we've come back from two goals in twenty minutes. Like that's not that bad of a hurdle. And so you start the period, and, and, and you start it effectively. And you know, Colin Delia, there was a lot of scrambled moments, right? Mm-hmm. But 
look, it just didn't cross the line. You give yourself enough time to just let Horvat score that next one. And then just going back to the crowd, it's like, okay, now it's there. And this is the thing that's so frustrating for this team is, like, when you provide the effort, man, this crowd's going to back you every single time. Uh-huh. And how many times, Sad, have we sat here at home games and said, like, this crowd's not quitting on this group? Well, last so, year especially. Yeah, last year especially. And, uh, like, I know the season started with the, the, the home opener and the jersey toss and all that sort of stuff. But, like, that was a seven-game losing streak. You can understand the fans' frustration and say, hey, this has got to change. But, like, every night this, this, fan, this fan base has been behind this team, and that's why when you look at this group, it's like you've got to put in the effort because these group, this fan, this fan base is going to push you the rest of the way, and they'll be there for you. And too often this team just does not believe in its own potential. And we're not talking like, hey, top three team in the in the league or anything, but they play down to a lesser version of themselves. Well, at least, at least be the at least reach the sum of your parts. Yes, right. Like I, I'm not expecting a team to punch over its over its weight. And hey, if you do, hey, the best, the only way for this team to have sustained success as they're built or be above expectations was for them to punch over their weight, mm-hmm. right? But as far as at the very least, be who you can be. And when you're not even living up to who you can be, even if the team is flawed, even if they, they have roster construction issues and capped out, all those things are true. But it still says a lot of bad things about the group when they collectively can't even live up to their own potential, whatever that is. And it's not a high bar. What I've been sitting here and saying, you, you know, be a 100-point team, these guys are, have been under 500 the entire season. The only time they were 500 was before a game was played and they were 0-0 on the year. So... So that's where the criticism comes in more than anything else. The last 10 minutes of the Arizona game and then for about a 20-minute stretch in this game. Like, that's what they have to be all the time. Yeah. And I know that's going to be exhausting and it's a tireless treadmill to try to uphold that standard, but they're the ones talking about raising the standards. They're the ones that, that are talking about playing to a certain standard. That's what they have to do. They're, we, we know they're not a team that's good enough to just rely on talent. Like, you can do this versus Arizona and versus Montreal and get away with it. You're not going to be able to do this against Vegas. You're not going to be able to do this against Colorado regularly. You're not going to be able to do this against the elite in the NHL. And at some point, the schedule is going to get tougher for the Vancouver Canucks. And you've got to take those 10, 20-minute stretches and extrapolate that into full games for this team. That's what they have to do because they, they, they have to make up the talent, def- the talent deficit between them and other teams with effort. Yeah. Well, and when your effort is lackluster, you're you're just not good enough to have an eighty percent effort and win hockey games. You're just not talented it, enough. Especially for that. when you're fra- a fragile team as well. When one thing goes wrong, it's three things that go wrong. Well, and also when it, when a team that doesn't hasn't had a system and a style of play to kind of fall back on, you just can't afford to to tune out. And they've tuned out at times, and they've had their lunch fed to them too many times. And tonight they did it the other way. <laughs> they came back from four nothing deficit to beat to Montreal Canadiens. Uh, <laughs> a lot of texts come in, a lot of thoughts. We are going to get to head coach Bruce Boudreau coming up in a couple minutes as soon as that audio becomes available. Before we get there, let's go to the phone boards. Uh, a lot of people patient to get on. Uh, let's go to Aiden in Terrace waiting to get on. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, that was incredible. I, I don't even know. Like, I watched the Seattle-LA game. That was 9-8. And uh, and then that was just almost it. It was 7-6. It was just wild. Um, and I got one other couple things. Um, the goaltender that came up um, and uh, replaced Spence Martin after him letting in four goals, he played well. Um, I think he played well. I just wanted to talk about the goalie today because uh, 
he came up and not a bad effort by him. A couple bounces in the third let in, but no, it was a uh, it was an emotion emotional roller coaster. It was I six five six six seven six. I like the goals were being scored. I think like minute apart, like in the third. It was just it was wild. I yeah. To be watching that game, I watched that game, and uh, I didn't work tonight, which was awesome because I got to watch it. Um, it was awesome. I was actually supposed to be in Vancouver for the game. I wanted to fly down there, but uh, it didn't work out, and it would have been uh, absolutely legendary if we, I was down there. But I did get to watch it. It was solid. It was a good performance, and um, I'm just glad I got to watch it and got to uh, talk about it. Attaboy. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Aiden and Terrace calling in. And a lot of people have texted in, people saying, goalie controversy, Colin Delia coming in and, and getting the W. It's Okay, so... Um, it's an 875 save percentage. Yes. Uh, so Colin Delia, give him credit. Yeah. I think he came in, but it was chaotic, especially the, the sequences in that second period. Like there were moments he's sliding through the crease Greece. and just like doing... Again, look, you got two points. Who cares? Yeah. But like, this is not good process. I, I think results. I think next game you still start with Spencer Martin, um, but Colin Delia. I think the good thing is he got some confidence. You know, came in, they didn't lose the game, they won. They're gonna have to rely on him at some point. He's gonna have to play a game or two until Thatcher Demko comes back. I don't know if he did enough to take it away from Spencer Martin, but uh, yeah, give him credit. You know, he helped the team out tonight, and uh, we'll see what they do at in, at San Jose on Wednesday. I would guess Spencer Barton gets the start in San Jose. Man, you need multiple days to, to, to get over this one. It's only two days? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Colin from Caribou. Gentlemen, we, we give you a new shade of lipstick on this pig. If we can put up seven goals a night, this could be a 500 team. Well, I, I was just Caribou. looking at it. In the past, uh, since 2017, anytime they've put up seven goals, I believe they're 11-0. and Or 12-0 and now. Because mm-hmm. uh, they've... Uh, Done it 12 times since then, including tonight. And by the way, for people that are asking, it's like, hey, when was the last time they've come back from uh, four goals? Uh, our good friend Arda Ocal from ESPN tweeting, uh, this is the third four-goal comeback in Canucks history. Last time it happened, January 16th, 1973 versus the Leafs. And then 1971 versus the Golden Seals. So 50 years ago, almost. They were in... in in Vancouver's lifetime, when they were tra- trailing by four, they are two, five, thirty-nine, and four. They are now three, five, thirty-nine, and four. Getting back to five hundred and four goal deficits. Yeah, uh, GP says nobody can deny the issues, but this so-called wreck of a team has now won seven of their last ten. Just saying. Hey, facts only. Text message. William and Langley. Uh, but it, it's exactly what, like what I thought was going to happen this year. They're going to go a, on some runs. A and two every- and eight stretch, and then. Do you do you stabilize? Do you stabilize at any, any point for you to get back into it properly? Right, William and Langley. They annoyed me with with way too much after the first five minutes of the game. I had my annual dose of alcohol earlier because of this game, so I'm drunk as a skunk right now. Great to have a win, but I'm overly unimpressed by the first period performance, especially with JT's blind passes. Not impressed even with the win, William and Langley. So as much as we're having fun with this, a lot of people are saying I'm not all that impressed and I don't care all that much because they have to prove more than what they've proven. Big George St. Pierre vibes here. Yes. Not that impressed. <laughs> Not that impressed. Not impressed enough. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone boards, and let's go to Langley, where we have Jake on the line. Jake, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Guys, uh, I, I think I had, like, an out-of-body experience watching that game. Um, <laughs> that was, like, 
if you want to summar- summarize being a Vancouver Canucks fan, just, just be like, tell them to watch that game from, from the beginning to the end. I think that would uh, pretty much do the trick. Oh, guys, it, it was it was fun. You know, it was fun. It was entertaining. It's it's one of the reasons I love watching hockey when you have things like that. Uh, the moments, the sports moments. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of work to do, but you know what? I gotta give them credit because I was hard on them a couple of weeks ago. Riley Stillman plus three tonight, two assists. Leading the way for the Vancouver Canucks tonight, all right? <laughs> Take care, guys. Cheers. Yeah, uh, awesome. That's uh, Jacob Langley calling in. Hey, at least it was fun. That's what a lot of people were saying. Uh, this one text says, At 4 nothing, I switched to the Flames, finishing off the Coyotes. I couldn't stand another intermission of not good enough. Over and over from Sat, I returned for the comeback and thank the hockey gods they won so that light, so that he to help lighten up the post-game show. Believe me, listen, I, I prefer to talk about wins than losses, generally. Man, plus three when he was a minus one at one stage as well. <laughs> like, nothing about this game makes sense. Nothing makes sense. Like, there's there's nothing from this one that's like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Because I know you were talking about, it's like, hey, you have to use this as the thing to kind of springboard. It's like, well, they've had an 8-5 win already this season. Oh, no, they did. They've 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 had, again, even moments prior to the season, like the 7-6 game against Colorado. They had a 7-5 game against Chicago that was also very chaotic as well. Like, they've had these big heroic moments where it's like, oh, great. Like, this is what this team can be. Honestly, this is what this team is. Yeah. They, they this are, is what they are a roller coaster. Listen, I've, I've, it's going to be, it's going to be hard uh, for me to change my mind on this team because what they've proven. All I'm saying is if this moment isn't a moment where it gets you back on track, so to speak, then I'm not sure there's a moment that does. That's all, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm still skeptical, but hey, let's see what happens, right? Let, let's see what they do. But like I mentioned to you on the pregame show, until this team actually gets itself to 500 at some point, it is fruitless to talk anything about the playoffs anymore. It's one thing to talk about your journey getting there. It was supposed to be there around American Thanksgiving. You're already blowing through that time. They'll have a chance to get to 500 coming up um, tomorrow. I mean, sorry, on Wednesday against the San Jose Sharks. We'll see if they take advantage. It's in San Jose against a team that you should be able to beat. We'll see. We'll see. And we'll, and we'll see how it goes from that point on. But that's just the only point. If, if that's not something that does, then I'm not sure what will. Uh, a lot of reaction coming in on the text inbox, 650-650. Keep those thoughts coming in, and uh, we are going to get to more of your phone calls as well. But as promised, we said we would get to head coach Bruce Boudreaux, and here he is post game, talking about how they came back to win this one tonight. The word is, but you guys had a third period to build off last night and to come out and kind of have a first 40 that resembled last night. Well, I mean, the, the first period. Uh, that is, uh, we've a bit of an issue playing uh, the wrong file list. We'll come back and we'll play the audio here uh, for Bruce Boudreaux in a second. Actually, we'll do it coming up after a break because uh, we'll get to that coming up in a second. We'll get hit a couple, uh, a couple of texts coming into our text inbox as well. Dino says, "My wife, who is Japanese, was a little down after Japan's tough loss to Croatia today. This comeback really cheered her up. And listen, anytime you make your significant other happy, that's a good night for everybody involved. So that's fantastic. I still in love. More still in love." Dino also says. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, this one, uh, I remember the Leafs leading us uh, 5 nothing as a kid. I was uh, crying in front of the TV, and we scored five straight goals. That one is from Mike. 
uh, coming in. And uh, this one, Hussein from Coquitlam. Get Pedersen some heart trophy love. What a special talent. And I guess maybe that's part of the conversation here tonight, if you're pulling anything out. It's the season from Elias Pedersen. Uh, just continues. Now 30... 31 points. Two, 32 points. 32 points on the season. And just, just, just spectacular. Just keeps growing. And, you know... We'll see if they have awarded him because I think they may have only did they award him award him three points tonight. Uh, I have two assists and a goal. Yeah, so he should be up to thirty two points on the season because yeah, he had twenty nine coming into it. Yeah, yeah two so primary assists and a goal. Two primary. I mean, and it's the two assists. Him setting up um, Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, yeah. Mikheyev is now up to eight goals on and the both season. Both passes were real sharp. The first real one was sharp. nice to yeah. get across, but the second one, a deft touch, and we talked about how much work Besser did uh, prior as well. Uh, and then the third goal, just uh, or the, the last goal, just uh, smooth, man. That guy is smooth. Uh, it really is smooth. Bo Horvat got his twentieth goal of the season. A huge goal for the Canucks, and it's what he's done so well so far this season: being in front of the net, getting rebounds, getting tips, and just finding any way he can to get the puck into the net. It's been very impressive his goal scoring rate so far this year. And like we mentioned, every line did something. Andre Kuzmenko kind of quiet for a couple of games. Well, he potted his twelfth goal of the season and a massive goal for the Canucks when he scored it as well. And Connor Garland, a guy who's taking a lot of criticism, hasn't played well. He got a big goal for the Canucks to get the first one on the board for the for them that that got things going when they were down four nothing. Justice you know what? for Studnika after the last game. Goal called back for Nils Oman on a great play from Jack Sudnika. And this one uh, earns your luck. It causes a turnover and uh, scores that goal after the goalie giveaway. Yeah, no, for sure. And and those are the things, like, you, you make – sometimes you do stuff wrong, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But how, what do you do to make up for it? You know, and those are the big things. And, look, I just got a text here from a, a Canadians fan. And it's like, well, the only thing you can take away from this game is Montreal is bad defensively. Yes. And absolutely. And, like, Montreal is a young team, too. And, like, they are going to have their struggles. But you can understand Montreal being a bit frazzled, right? Like, you give up mm-hmm. four goals, you're a little shook, and it's like, okay, how do you get back into this game? You can understand a young team going through that. Nice but, catch, by the way. I, I nearly dropped my Bake phone. almost dropped yeah. his phone and caught it midair. And Anyways. the Canucks, like, go through this routinely, and they're not a young team anymore. Like, I, I know you can say, like, oh, it's the post Sedin era. Like, Brock Besser's not young anymore. Bo Horvat's not young anymore. JT Miller is not young Tyler Myers is over 30. Like, these guys have been here for multiple years, and mm-hmm. these aren't young players anymore. Patterson and Hughes, like, they're, they're up over 200 games now. Connor Garland has been in the league for a while. You should be used to the paces of the league and, and understanding how to be more consistent. And you can see the frustration from some of the players down for nothing, but yes, they show resilience to get back into this game. But this is too many times this is becoming an issue. I'm curious what Bruce Boudreaux had to say about yeah, that. We'll get to that in a bit. We'll get to his thoughts. Here's a comment from Garrett. I can't help think, had they lost this game after 4 nothing, they would have forced at least some trade. I want to address that. We are going to get to head coach Bruce Boudreaux after the break. And after we get to the break, we'll talk about the trade stuff. Are the Canucks close to making a trade? Would a loss have forced a trade or not? It's a good question. We'll answer that, and we'll hear from Bruce Boudreau as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central postgame show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Two-man advantage that will last a minute and 32 seconds. 
the final minute and 32 seconds of the third period unless they're able to score. Horvat wins the draw to Besser left wing. Top of the point, Quinn Hughes. Near side, JT Miller shoots, tip, they score! And it's Andre Kuzmenko at the side of the net that ties the game at six with a power play marker, his 12th of the season. What a game this has been. What a game indeed. Canucks win in overtime, 7-6 over the Habs, overcoming a 4-0 deficit after the first period to mount one of the biggest comebacks in team history. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll get to the phone boards as well coming up uh, in a few minutes' time. And this text from Jen. Went to the game with friends. One was talking to a guy who flew in from Montreal to watch this game on his birthday. Yikes. Happy birthday, dude. That's Jen from Vancouver having some fun with uh, the Habs fans in town. Lots of Habs fans. And we had this text here. Uh, it says a couple things. One, geez, you don't need to learn how to lip read to understand what Boudreaux said to the ref on the fifth goal. Yes, true. It was darn. It was yes, it was. And two, I'm honestly pretty jealous of the Habs fan base. That's a heck of a lot, a, a lot of red sweaters in the lower bowl. Habs fans come out strong everywhere, and yet again in Vancouver tonight. Yeah, you can see it in even the pregame. Uh, yes. Usually, you know, you can kind of count the depth of rows on warm up, and the Canucks. Around the glass, Canucks fans were about two rows deep, and you looked down to the other end, and it was like five, six rows deep for Habs fans. Yes. So you knew it was going to be a loud night, and again, the banter between the two fans, because it was split pretty evenly in here, uh, was, was was great. And it kept the energy up all night, no matter what side of the scoreline you were on, because up 4 nothing, yeah. Habs fans were having to go 4-4, Canucks fans were having to go, and then it was just back and forth like the game was. We are going to get to Boudreaux in a second here, and we'll get to the question Garrett asked about when can trades happen and would a loss have expedited a trade. Just to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit. So usually we've been doing the, the pregame intermissions from the Jim Robson broadcast gondola. But because the French broadcast has an English-speaking broadcast and they have a French-speaking broadcast and they have a TV broadcast, plus the Canucks TV broadcast and the radio broadcast, there was no room for us on Press Row to do our show. So we had to go to – sorry, we had, on the Jim Robson gondola, we had to go to Press Row to do the show. And that means as soon as the third period ends, we had to boogie back – to this side, which is on the other side of the rink. So usually we leave over with a minute left or the final TV timeout. So while, while we were walking over here, like hurrying over here, we heard a goal. The reaction was so loud, we thought it was a Canucks who scored again. But then the, buzz, then the horn didn't go off, and you realize, oh, the Habs just tied it, didn't they? Because the, loud, the cheer was so loud, it was no goal horn. You knew it had to be a goal, and we got into the booth right away, and we saw it was the Montreal Canadiens who scored. But it was so loud, you would have been mistaken if you didn't see what happened, that it was the hometown cheering a goal. So a uh, home crowd cheering a goal. So it just shows you, to the texter's point, how, how many Habs fans were in the building it, this evening. It was a great atmosphere, yeah. right? And it wasn't just one of... Of nerves, you know, down for nothing. It, it was provided by both sides. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, one that, you know, uh, you know, we joke, but it's like, oh, so many people say that they were at Pavel Bure's first game. It's like 50,000 people were in attendance. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be like that, but I imagine a lot of people will say that they were at this game because uh, it was a wild one, to say the least. Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, all right, we'll get to more of your text messages and, and more of your takes, but as mentioned, here is... Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux after a 7-6 win in overtime, overcoming a 4-0 deficit. What does he have to say? Well, here are his thoughts. 
Well, Bruce, if you had to use one word <laughs> to describe that game, what word would you choose? Oh, I don't know. crazy. You know, it was a crazy game. But what do you take away from it, if you can? Take well, we got two it. points. I mean, and the, the thing that I'm going to really take away from it, and it's happened a couple times now, is, is I think our team is starting to believe that they can, you know, when they get down, they can still they can still make a game of it, and uh, that's a belief that if you have that, I mean, you're never out of it. So that's that's an important thing that you can take from a game like this. Is that the message you sent after the first period? And after the second, you know, I thought. Uh, um, but I mean, they did it themselves, and by scoring those two goals late in the second, I think they started. They believed, but I mean, they came back the the game against Arizona. They actually came back against Vegas here, but didn't, you know, then we gave it away. So, I mean, we came back in San Jose. So, I mean, there was a lot of times where we've, you know, kept believing. But I think this one from four down is uh, is probably the, the most belief you can get out of that. Bruce, on Saturday you said that you want to earn a reputation as a team that's always going to be in the fight. Do you think that a result like this... Uh, adds to that reputation? I, I don't know. I don't want it to have to do it like that too <laughs> often, but I mean, it's not like uh, any any coach would have drawn that up, but I mean, it's if that's what you if that's what the players believe that they're never out of it, then it's then it's a good thing. But they haven't always shown that this year when you've been down a couple of goals that resilience you come back. What was different today? Well, I, I think it's turned uh, recently. Like I mean, at the beginning of the year we were getting the leads and then we were giving them up and not being able to and and it was like oh here we go again type thing but uh, uh, recently in this little stretch we've uh, we've always thought that we could you know come back you seem to get some really strong minutes from the Pedersen line uh, what did you like with Besser joining McKay and well, well Besser was skating you can tell the difference in his skating the last two games I think I mean I can anyway and when he's completing that line and um, then I thought even on Kuzmenko on the other line is is now he's playing against the third set of D and uh, I think it's making him better so I mean that's maybe short term we don't know um, but uh, for the last two games, it's it's been like that. You talk about leaders of this team. Just the way that Patterson skates on the back check, does things in overtime, creates turnovers. How much of a leader does he become just from his play? Well, that's that's how you become a leader. You don't leader isn't leadership isn't necessarily talking. It's it's doing doing stuff on the ice, and whether it's blocking a shot at the the big time. I mean, jumping in to help a guy, or or just playing as hard as Petey's been playing. That's that's leadership. But uh, Spencer Martin first. I mean, you had to had to pull him. He's obviously going to get a lot of games here now. Just uh, how different is it for him getting that load down? Well, it has to be a little different, you know. I mean, uh, and I he didn't have it. I did. I was thinking about it after the third goal, but I was saying let's just make it to. You don't like to pull a guy if you ha- don't have to uh, in front of everybody. So I mean, uh, but once the fourth goal go in, I thought uh, I thought he looked uh, like. He was defeated, so I wanted to get him out of there to spare anymore. There was still time on the clock. Or do you think, think Delia? I thought he played good. There wasn't much he could do on either either one of the goals. I mean, um, uh, he looked a little nervous at the beginning, but I thought he settled down. And he, you know, he he didn't give them, didn't let them get ahead of us anymore. When it was, you know, I mean, he let us. Uh, when they scored four, we got a chance to come back without them getting any, and. Uh, so, I mean, it was, 
I thought that's what your goaltender is supposed to do is just keep you keep you in there till you you know find traction. How good do you feel for a guy like Garland who hadn't scored wow. in 17 and he kicks off the rally? I was really happy for him. He, you know, he looked like he got real mad and uh, and went out and and scored that goal and that's what kicked it off. So I mean, hopefully, Garley's pretty streaky. Hopefully that uh, that's something that now he builds on. First, can I get your reaction just to the following sentence? Your team won tonight in a game in which you'd blown a third-period lead but also trailed 4 nothing at one point. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll go home and sit, say just what happened. You know, like, I mean, those are games that I don't know if I've ever been involved in an NHL game like that, quite frankly. Um, I know... I've been involved with high-scoring teams, but nothing when you get down 4 nothing in the first period and fight your way back. That, that's So, I mean, I think it'll be a game you remember for a while. Goalies, or coaches, don't they'd rather win 3-1, to one, but, I mean, uh, every now and again, uh, a win is a win, you know? Bruce, the celebration there at the end of the game, you can see it more watching the replay, like the faces, some of those players. Oh. Now you can't really build off of the... Outcome, I mean, the outcome of the game you can build off of, but how do you build off the players being able to come together like something like that? Well, it's every, you know, it, you come together as a team in different ways. And if this helps uh, us become more complete, then, you know, great. You know, I mean, it's, uh, uh, they'll all be going in, I'm sure, tonight saying, what just happened? But uh, I'm sure LA and Seattle are saying the same thing from their game the other day. So, uh, we'll take it for what it is, and we'll try to uh, defend where we only give up one goal on the next game because that's how eventually you win a lot, of, a lot more games. You don't want to push for 17 total goals? No, I don't like that. <laughs> that is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux uh, in a good mood after the Canucks win 7-6, but obviously not how you drew it up, not how you want to play, but hopefully it is something that gets them on the right track. He's kind of doing his, uh, his own Ted Lasso. Starting to believe they can make a game of it whenever they're down. Yeah. He just needs that yellow sign in yeah. the <laughs> locker room. Yeah. Just pointed to believe. That's all it is. Um, and, and I remember Ted Lasso also had a very famous speech about practice. Practice habits. You know, when he was, when he, when he was talking to... Yeah, uh, Iverson's speech. I know, but it was yeah. funny. I'm just saying. Like, there's some parallels. Sure. you got to improve the practice habits before you start winning. Have we ever talked about practice habits here in the city? <laughs> never. That never comes up. Uh, he, he talked also about... Um, Elias Pedersen, and that was real leadership tonight. One of the things we talked about, and you brought up, you brought it up, Vic, and it's a great point. If you're taking anything tangible out of this game, that's that's, that's translatable, that means a lot, that matters. It's Elias Pedersen again, willing the team the way he did. Yeah, I will say he's also you know kind of at fault for a goal. Just didn't have the same energy on on, on the on back the- check. And now to your point, he is also covering for the trailer holding back. And sure. Myers, if Myers doesn't take, if yeah. Myers doesn't leave his spot, that play never happens. Yes. To to be fair, but you're right. Yes. He didn't book. He didn't. He wasn't boogieing back the way we were boogieing from the press from press row to the Jim Robson broadcast gondola. gondola. Yeah. There was the awkward dad dance cam. So 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 tons of boogieing at the ring today. Uh, but yeah, and look. You screw up, how are you going to respond, right? And so down 4 nothing. Uh, <laughs> Leas Pedersen uh, has three points the rest of the way, two primary assists, and then the goal in itself, uh, which was so, so slick and, and just slides at five-hole. Uh, but, yeah, just continues to build on a great season so far. 32 points now on the year. 
and we're just constantly seeing this emergence of this player who continues to take a step in his career uh, and for this season. Uh, This was by no means a perfect one, but a statistical uh, night for him. And we've talked about this. It's how do you use tonight? Yes. You don't want to use this as an example, but how do you use the good vibes from this game to kind of springboard into whatever is next? And is that something they can they can do or not? And we will find out as soon as Wednesday when they go to San Jose to take on the Sharks. And he mentioned Connor Garland as well, and, and hopefully how that's something that can get him going. Ray on Twitter made the point that uh, despite the fact that Garland scored a goal tonight, he only played 10 minutes. And part of the reason is something we talked about on the pregame show too, is that line, that mm-hmm. fourth, that third line essentially, which is utilized as a fourth line, isn't going to get a ton of ice time. So we were always kind of wondering what the deployment would look like in a game like this. And yeah, Connor Garland still had 10 minutes and two seconds of ice time despite scoring goal tonight. Yeah, I'm just looking at this. I'm, I'm like Sheldon Dries had 10 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Jack Studnika, who also scored a goal, had 941. Uh, yeah, like some of this... Like Oman and uh, Oman got some PK time, which I believe increases ice time to almost 15 minutes. But that fourth line is essentially playing as a third line. Like Niels Oman still had almost 12 minutes of even strength ice time. I think, uh, and maybe we should joke with Batch about this when when people tweet out the lines. That Niels Oman line is your third line. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like you look at the usage. If anything, Garland, a line that drives centers is your fourth line. Correct. So I think that's how you have to look at it. They're sheltered. They're a sheltered fourth line. And you know, we we talked how similar all four, three players look and feel, bit bit undersized and uh, good hands. But are they going to be strong defensively? And certainly, like I'll, I'll look at their matchups here in just a second. But I can't imagine Bruce was going to trust them out in, especially in a chaotic game like this, yeah, where it's chances are a plenty. Um, how much reliance are you going to have on that team to have a steady shift in their own zone? And and that's the thing. Now, a lot of reaction on text inbox, this one unsigned. This game has a lot of parallels to that cocaine bear trailer. Cocaine bear trailer? <laughs> yeah, that's chaos indeed. Uh, okay, so before we get to more reaction, we'll get to the phone boards as well, and we'll get some player reaction, plus Ian McIntyre will join us for the final segment. We mentioned Garrett had a question or a comment. He said, the frustrating part is, I can't help but think that had they lost this game, it would have expedited a trade. We talked about this quite a bit on uh, Canuck Central leading up to the game. And if you missed Canuck Central, make sure to listen to the first hour specifically. Uh, We talked about the latest and everything I've kind of heard about the Canucks. And also, Frank Valley was on. And that's not to say things couldn't happen or may not happen. And make sure to listen because we really dig into it. But a short version of... Timelines, neither of us are really expecting a trade this week or next week. It's more likely to happen after Christmas where you start seeing things. So I get fans want to see trades. And, hey, I want to see trades as much as anybody else wants to see trades as well here, Bick. But a win or a loss or how bad a game looks at this moment isn't a breaking point. It's all about trying to align value. And I don't think a loss or any single loss is going to drive them to do something they haven't done so far. It's about getting what they're looking for still. And I know there were a lot of frustrations there. It's like, well, this clearly is not going to be the team. We, we were getting those texts in the first and second intermission. And so change, uh, I, I do believe change is coming at some point. It is coming. But, and, I, but I, I, would, I, would, 
I would temper expectations on the timeline. Yes, and I would also be careful with drawing par- drawing conclusions from a single game that mm-hmm. oh this game's going to mean something's going to happen. You know what or I mean? Or like, the inverse of like this this game's the reason why they're going to hang on to everyone. Yeah, and that's why I'm simply like, well, they're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to hold on to everybody. They're going to double down on the core. I, I I don't think that's. I think they pretty much know what this team is now, and nothing, whether winning or losing, is going to change what their ultimate goal is. I think it's already been decided what has to happen. It's about, as we mentioned, the Look, timeline. Like they're struggling it. to beat a young Montreal team and a young. Okay, it, they won two games in this homestand. Who did they beat? Arizona, Montreal. Yeah. And and Florida and Washington. When, they they weren't playing all that well, and they still they lost. When they stepped up, and when they pressed the Canucks, five one five one. Like I said, you want people to buy in, get yourself into a position. They haven't so far, you know, and and that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages as well. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards, uh, and let's go to Richmond, where we have Bill on the line. Bill, thanks for hanging on. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, even before this game started, uh, my son and I were just talking. We're at Save on Foods, and he's like, "Dad, I think." They're either gonna get blown out of the water, or we're barely gonna win. Like it's just, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, yeah we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And they were just getting stomped. So it's for nothing. He turns to me and he goes, "Can we just play NHL like on the PS5 instead of watching it?" So I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you have to watch a beatdown, right? Just to be, just to say that you've experienced this. Me being a diehard Seahawks fan for like ages, nonetheless. But, <laughs> um. It went from high fives to me screaming at the TV, and you know he's staying up late watching it. And he's like, "What is going on in this game?" And I think the most frustrating part was seeing how the Canucks battled back and showed that resiliency and that heart to to make it a game. You know, like they weren't out of it. But the unfortunate part is like they need to bring that period one puck drop and just not let off, right? Um, again, some lucky bounces back and forth. Uh, the one takeaway I have to say is Brock Besser. Um, he's like he's picked up his pace. I think the last two games, and he looks like he's actually skating with intention now. Rick Dollywell was saying that you know his agents fielded calls and more or less, and Calgary's interested. We'll see. I mean, again, like you guys just reiterated, I think we all know what's going to happen eventually. There's no way we keep everybody. But, um, yeah, it's just, it was frustrating watching it. I actually wanted them to lose, believe it or not. It's just uh, props to them. They came back, wicked way to battle back. But, uh, you know, it's like a Band-Aid. <laughs> you know? We just need to rip it off. And it's just, it's hanging, it's hanging there halfway. And we just keep putting it back on, thinking that we're going we're gonna to make things happen. But, uh, yeah, I'll just listen to what you guys got to say. Hey, uh, Bill, thanks for the phone call. That's Bill in Richmond calling in. And, th- and and this is where the frustration comes down. I mean, and, and also how there are multiple things going on at the same time that we're evaluating single games. We're evaluating stretches and form and how the team is trending, where they are in the standings. And then there is the overarching need for change, the overarching need for things to be different. And they have to change. Things do have to happen. And... I'm at a point where I don't think any of the wins or losses is changing their mind one way or another. Mm-hmm. It's very clear what they have to do. They have to get to that point. And I don't think they're going to be fooled by this. I mean, you know, this person texted in and says, I don't know why people are happy with this win. This is exactly the type of game that gives ownership and management false hope. And by the way, two meaningless comeback wins in 2016 cost the Canucks Austin Matthews. 
I get that, but this team isn't the 2016 team. They're playing like a 2016 team in terms of results, but they have way more talent than the 2016 team. You didn't have Elias Patterson. You didn't have Quinn Hughes. That was a team that, hey, they won a couple games. They also lost some games in that season. Probably shouldn't have lost at times. It all kind of equals. I get it. But that was a team that was clearly not trying to win. That was a bad hockey team. This team, unless they really strip more down by the deadline and goaltending continues to be what it is and Demko doesn't come back, then maybe, just maybe, they'd crater into a bottom five record one way or another. But there isn't enough. There isn't enough, The lack of talent isn't such that this team is, a shoe, is going to shoehorn itself into being a bottom five pick. Like They're not going to get that unless a lot of things conspire and go wrong for them to get to that point. So I don't think the parallels about, hey, they won this game just like that year. They're two different teams on two different trajectories. But I completely agree. There's change that needs to happen. But it's, it's, it's not imminent. It's just there's nothing. There's not a trade that's waiting to happen after a loss. It's, they know they have to get rid of a bunch of guys. They know they have to make some tough decisions. But it's just not at that point yet. And that's all we talk about timeline is so important in this because of what flexibility other teams have to absorb contracts right now. And it just does not exist outside of four or five teams who have different motivations of what they're trying to acquire uh, than what the Canucks are trying to present to teams. And so it's, it's going to take a little longer. That's, I'm very aware how frustrating that is to hear. It is. And the other thing, too, like if you really want to move guys out, if the team plays better and individual players play better, it's easier for you to move guys out. It really is. And the worse each individual player is playing and the worse the team is playing, the harder it is for them to get value on any sort of trade they're looking to make. And even if you want to talk about you know stripping it down and, and playing towards the lottery odds, honestly, like games like tonight... What was sustainable out of this is... Some individual performances? No, I was going to say, what's sustainable out of this is, is like they're not good defensively. Yeah. Like, what's more likely to happen? They'll score seven goals or they'll give up four? They're more likely to give up four more often. They and are. If they give it up in the sequence they gave them up, they're going to they're gonna lose more games. It's like, you don't even really need to make change to get the results that you want. Right. No, and, and that's the big thing. Like, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. All right, we have time to get one call in, and then we have to go to the top of the hour. So you got to be quick here. So let's go to Neely Canuck. Neely, uh, you you got about a minute here. What you got for us? Neely. Activity here. Um, there we go. Yes. You got me, guys? I got yeah. you, buddy. Awesome, awesome. I just want to bring a little bit of positivity. I, I, we were doing that early in the show, and then you guys are coming. Bring it back to – anyways, I know I've got to be quick here, but um, like a lot of people are talking rebuild in December, and that's a little crazy to me. And especially, you know, tonight after first period, all I saw on Twitter was rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. It's friggin' December, boys. I mean, there's a lot of time left. I get it. Defensively, not great. Needs to change, 100%. But stripping this team down bare is absolutely insane. And – couple of pieces that have to move maybe you got to move uh, a Brock Besser I love the guy but maybe you got to move him to get something on the back end mm-hmm. to help us out fine that's fine but stripping it down bare is not at all what I want to see happen with this team and a lot of people saying that we we need to repeal keep PD keep Hughes and Demko okay well Hughes and and PD held out in training camp for big contracts last year are they going to stick around for rebuild? Let's think about it, right? So, 
let's not go crazy and go rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Let's just get some help on the back end. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call there. Had to, had to cut you up, up against the clock here. We'll address some of that on the other side. I don't think a full-on rebuild is coming. When I talk about change, I'm talking about a couple of moves, and I'm not sure it's going to be what people want. But we'll get into more of that, plus Ian McIntyre, as the Canuck Central postgame show goes on, and you hear from players on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central postgame show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in B.C. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. McKayev takes a heavy hit deep in the Montreal zone by Pizzetta. And Rem Petlick fights it loose to the red line for Jake Evans. On to the near side for Harris. Centers in front. Pizzetta to the goal. He scores. Michael Pizzetta on the backhand scores his first of the season. On another one that Spencer Martin might like back, and it's 4-0 Canadians with 3.43 remaining in the first. And they're all going in at this point. Another one in transition. 4-0 for the Habs. Doesn't hold. Canucks win 7-6 in overtime. Yes, 7-6 in overtime. It was a thriller in the third period. Canucks come back to tie it 4-4. Heck, they took the 5-4 lead. It looked like the Canucks going to win in regulation. Wasn't over then. Two quick goals from the Montreal Canadiens made it 6-5. Chaos ensued. Canucks did tie it, got it to overtime. Elias Pettersson, the hero, 7-6 victory. And yeah, uh, unreal. (laughs) Just a crazy game at Rogers Arena tonight. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to be joined by Ian McIntyre coming up in a second. Neely Canucks called in and he's saying a bit frustrated about all the tank talk. and, And so... The discussions about change doesn't necessarily mean strip it all the way down. I feel like we're saying the same thing, just in different languages. Yes. For so many different people. Because, like, I can classify trading Besser, Garland, Horvat, buying out OEL, paying the signing bonus on Tyler Myers and trading him there in September. Like, if you make all those moves... How do you define that? Is that a rebuild or is that a retool on the fly? Like it, it doesn't matter. Like we're still talking about the it's same semantics. It's semantics. It's semantics, it, and you, people get so worried. It, like just just focus on what your intentions are for the transactions. Exactly. So when when we're talking about changes needed, change has to happen. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to you could tear it down to, to the nuts and bolts of it. Like there are ways for you to improve. Cause even if people always point to the, you know, New York Rangers rebuild, like they, look at their rebuild, look at their rebuild. And yeah. They made a couple of trades, but didn't trade everybody. They held on to a bunch of guys. They signed Kreider. They kept Kreider. They kept Jacob Truba. They went and signed Artemi Panarin before they were ready, so to speak. Adam Fox fell on their laps. Yeah, and, and hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they didn't do things the right way. They did a lot of things the right it's way. It's not your atypical rebuild. It wasn't, it wasn't the rebuild. Like, it wasn't tear at all. Like, there are ways you can have success. All, I ultimately care about you executing your plan and making this into a good team. However you end up doing that. You know, and it doesn't have to be a full-on rebuild, but clearly change needs to happen. Like, even Neely Nuck, who's... Full on, I, I believe in this team, believe in the score. He's like, yeah, you, you probably have to move Besser. You probably have to do a couple other things. But if we're sitting here and talking about moving three or four guys out, that's sizable. Mm-hmm. Like if, they, if they're able to take out 12 to 15 million in cap space and re-change that, that gives your team a different look, a significantly different look potentially. So I, f- I feel like retool on the fly in this market is just poorly defined. It's a negative connotation what because happened, of what happened before. What happened here seven years ago as far as retool on the fly, that, that's not how you retool on the fly. Like, that's a poor way of doing it. 
the the version to do it aggressively to infuse young talent and new assets into the organization that should be the goal. If that's how you define rebuild, then fine, define it your way. But there is a lot of aggressive moves this this management group should and I think will entertain. That's why we're talking about big picture transactions. What happened seven years ago of of sacrificing picks for fringe NHLers and hoping for bigger benefits? I don't think you'll see that here. No, I don't think so. I, and and had the retool on the fly not failed so spectacularly before, maybe there's a different connotation around it here. But I think what everybody can agree on, whether it's a rebuild or retool or whatever, changes need to happen. Like even even like I I think actually for as much as we see there being. Um, you know, fighting and arguments between two sides of the fan base, the ones that want to rebuild, the ones that don't want to rebuild, you're not that far off what you guys both want. You guys, everybody realizes this core as it's built isn't good enough. Change needs to happen. All people are disagreeing about is the degree of that change. But nobody's sitting here saying keep everybody. So I think that there is more common ground here about where this team needs to go than I think the... <laughs> the 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 conversation alludes to to be honest because I think even ones who want a full on rebuild if the Canucks make two three big trades and it looks different like, okay you'll buy into okay it's going to be different it's going to be change you know so I'd say we should maybe not spend as much time worrying about the degree of the change as long as there is significant change absolutely agree and that's why I kind of say it's like it's like we're Folks from different countries all saying the same thing, but just yelling at each other. Be like, no, 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 this is what I'm saying. And the next person's like trying to just be louder saying the same sentence, just in a different language. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, the confusion part is when is it going to happen? Well, and, and yeah. And, and this person says, what's your goal? When a cup doesn't sound like it. I want a cup. No less. The window on this core is spoiled. That's literally what we've said. Of course. The, yeah, it is spoiled, but. Okay. We literally talked about a poison well. Yes, we before. were talking. Yes, but and you have to change the core. But I think what people are saying is, unless you have a full-on rebuild, you can't win. That's just fundamentally not true. But it's not true. I mean, how many times do you have to go through the examples of teams that made some changes but didn't have a full-on rebuild and had success? Or it, even you don't have to have the perfect environment and have all the assets you need for you to have your best chance of winning a Stanley Cup. There are different ways for you to build yourself into being a contender. I just don't buy that that tearing it down and only holding on to one or two players is the only way you can build a contender. I don't think it's the only way. It's not about, like, everybody has the same goal in mind here. It's about trying to build a Stanley Cup winner. And you're not guaranteed a Stanley Cup winner if you tear it all down. You're not. You're not guaranteed a Stanley Cup winner by retooling on the fly either. But how many teams have won a Stanley Cup after fully tearing it down? There's like a couple of examples to, to point to. And, even, and like, even those examples, it's like, well, here's a Sidney Crosby. Here's but, Evgeny Malkin. And but here's the thing. Again, like, so a lot of things the, has to go your way no matter what. So much of the infrastructure in that Pittsburgh team, like as far as just asset collection, was done prior to Crosby even arriving. Obviously, look, he's the best piece, but he wasn't the first piece. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury was there. Evgeny Malkin was there. Uh Guys, other players that they've had, uh, Brooks Orpik was there, Rob Scuderi was there, Max Talbot was there, uh, Goligoski was there, Ryan Whitney was there. 
They had so many pieces in there. And by the way, before Crosby even played a game, you know who they spent on? Sergei Gonchar, yeah. an old defenseman. That's what they did before Crosby even played a game. So they've made all these investments prior to their best asset even arriving. The only one that's really like, boy, this took 13, 14 years was Alex Ovechkin. Washington had nothing. Yeah. And so many times they thought, okay, now we're at this stage. Let's go do something like Forsberg for Erat, and let's try to accelerate our process. And it made them stumble, and it took them so long to get to a stage of, okay, now we're here. You need to build everything. And if you want to tear it all down and just leave yourself with Pedersen and Hughes, you're basically looking at what Buffalo is doing. Where if you go through a stretch and Eichel says, you know what, I'm not here for this. Obviously, that's kind of medically induced as well. Yeah. Loss of trust between them and the medical staff. But you welcome that that scenario because you haven't planned enough around it. It's not just about, oh, get this right for 2024. I, I don't want to put the pilot light out on being competitive. Just just as the, as the nature of your organization. If you just say, hey, this isn't who we are and we were going to strip it all down – I think you're a bit of a joke of, a, of an organization. And you become what Buffalo is right now, become what Arizona is, is right now, laughingstocks of the league. And I understand you're not winning right now, and, and you're a bit of a laughingstock as is, but this is competitive sports. And I, I refuse to believe that you just unlock the, the pilot light because you just think, hey, eventually we're going to be this roaring fire with all this great talent. You have to get like 30 things right. A lot of things have to go right. 14. 100%. You still have to get a lot of things right. This one says the Rangers also got lucky winning the lottery plus two second overall picks in back-to-back years. But here's the amazing thing about the Rangers. Alex Lafreniere, first overall pick, not really making a difference yet for that team. Capo Caco, second overall pick, not really making a difference for that team. They just put out a letter. That's why people like their rebuild. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. And hey, they did some good things. But even the two picks they, they fell into, they're not the ones making a difference for them yet. And they're struggling this year, and that's part of the reason. You need a lot of things to go your way. Um, <laughs> this one says, I think we're guaranteed to not win a cup unless we tear it down. Guess what? You're always more likely to not win a cup, no matter what plan you're talking about. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like the lottery. But, but Your here, best chance is 18.75%. You're more likely to lose it. But, 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 but again, like people say, if you're more likely to win the cup. So how many teams that have had a full teardown have won versus teams that have done it on the fly? Like I keep hearing this notion that a team can't win a cup unless they and they they completely tear it down. There's there's plenty of examples. Of yeah. teams that are just like, hey, let's rebuild. And uh, it doesn't th- work out. I was just messaging you today. Again, it's a different sport, but we all watched the 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 Last Dance documentary. Guess how like the Chicago Bills did a rebuild after Michael Jordan left. Guess how many playoff series wins the Bulls have since Michael Jordan? Is it even a handful? Left the Bulls. Is it even a handful? It's five. Five. Five playoff series wins. For sure. And they've had an MVP on their roster. 100%. And it's five playoff series wins. And I know, again, different sport. But you're not guaranteeing anything. I didn't realize it was going to be a rebuild conversation. No, I know. And this one says that that's not why Eichel left. Come on, boys. Bick even said. It was medically. Medically induced. Yes. A lot of trust fell apart between. Uh, but do you think that if they've been winning a bunch, you think you'd be like, hey, I can kind of stomach this out. Yes. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be making wide changes. You should be making wide changes. But I just I just push back against the notion that. that there's only one way to do the this. The only way you can win a Stanley Cup is completely tearing this down. Because history in the NHL has not shown that to be true. I feel so that's bad for it. Ian McIntyre. 13 Always. goals. And we, we, we spend 90 minutes going through all the goals, and he shows up for all the trade talk every single time. Yes, 100%. I'm sorry, Ian. Yes. That's okay. 
Who's who are you trading? No, people are just like Yeah, but Sad is right and I hate to start Oh sorry. Oh, careful what you need. <laughs> I hate to start a show that way. But uh <laughs> It pains you so much to say sad yeah, is right. That's all people I are. know. Sad is right. Ow. 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 It literally yeah. it causes it physical me. pain, yeah. But he's right that you know, did Tampa Bay strip it down to the studs? You know, no. I mean it for the most part it's been some teams have had success with a combination, but you know I'm not sure that anyone yet has has won a cup by just stripping it right down. I guess it would be the Penguins because they had such financial strife for a few years. Their team was on the brink of being moved. Yeah, but that was a rebuild before people even knew what a rebuild was. Yeah, I'd say that's the best example. There, there of were it. lots of teams in poverty. Yeah, that, I mean, out of necessity, with no, and especially if you go back like pre-salary cap. You know, teams could spend as little as as they wanted, and and the teams that really wanted to win could spend as much as they wanted. So it was it was different then. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, I know that's good, but I, I, it's just one of those things that people are like, you guys are scared of an inevitable rebuild. Like, we're not scared of an inevitable rebuild. The only thing I keep pushing back on, and Bix the same way, hist- NHL history is not littered with Stanley Cup winners based on full on rebuilds. Like, if if, we, if I want to accept the notion, like people say this is a fact that you can only win a cup if and only if you rebuild, but that's not what NHL history has taught us. There isn't a long list of teams that have won the Stanley Cup because they rebuilt. It gives you a chance, of course, and, and it's a better way of building things, and I'm all for the discussion. But I don't know what happened over the past few years, and maybe it's because there's been such a want for a rebuild in this market, and there's such a desire for it, something you haven't had or whatever, that it seemed to be this magic bullet that guarantees success. And it's and it's not. like that. that, that yes, you have to make changes, and they have to make a lot of changes. But the only way to win isn't taking it down to the studs. And I don't know why that's become accepted as the only way to win in this market. I don't know why either, other than it's it's a very passionate market and there's a huge analytics component to it. Uh, and and it's a very broad, I mean, maybe it's this way everywhere that, that where people are passionate about hockey, but it's a very broad and diverse market. Like when people say, oh, that's the Canuck fan, or those are Canuck fans, or these are Canuck fans. I mean, part of their slogan that they got right is that we are all Canucks because it covers an awfully diverse group in terms of what they want uh, the hockey team to do. But I, I do agree with you that, that you know, just getting rid of everybody and starting over, that just guarantees that you're starting over. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to end up with the success uh, that you want. Obviously, you know, if you can, if you give yourselves more at bats at the draft, you need to be, you know, in the bottom three, you need to dra- be drafting first or second mm-hmm. and not getting screwed by the draft lottery every year. Like, you know, the Canucks have been. So I, I don't think it's as simple as that. I also think when people talk about stripping it down, you know, they, they have, they have the core elements here. They are. They have the players that if you were stripping it down, you would be looking for these players upon which to build the foundation. They've just done really poorly at actually constructing the house on the foundation that they have, mm-hmm. and that's what they have to do better. They they need more. They need better building materials and a little more know-how to build on the foundational players that they already have and are young enough to still be foundational players. Yeah, like didn't the Toronto Maple Leafs 
Why are we talking about this after a 7-6 game? The Canucks haven't had a four-goal comeback since 1973, which I, I would I would have lost money on that. I would have said somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, wildly entertaining. But anyways, let's continue. Rebuild. It, it's, it's, it's entertaining. I was going to say, like, the Maple Leafs stripped it all down. And no, they didn't. And well, they still, well, to his point, they still had Nazem Kadri. They still have Mike. They, they still have they Mike had, Riley. They had six or eight players. They had Van Riemsdyk, um, Morgan Riley, Kadri. Uh, I mean, that's fairly stripped down. That, right. Yeah. Okay. That Phil Kessel no, who they no, traded. They had, yeah. There's that's others. Fair, there's fair, other guys. Fair. who I actually mean like the game. like the marquee thing of like, hey, it's it's Marner Matthews. And, like that's the group. Well, that you know who do it all you way. know who's come close to stripping that New York Rangers. I mean, there's teams that are doing it and have had success. But they still degree. kept Kreider, and, and they signed Zibanejad to a contract. And they signed Artemi Panarin as a free agent before yeah. they were ready to win. Yeah, they signed Panarin. But even but my point about the Maple Leafs was everyone here just annually laughs at them. It's like, wow, first-round exit again. It's like, well, they're not having success. And if, if that's a rebuild you want to look at and say – uh, well, they, have they to, did it the you, right it way. It depends what you're trying to build. Yes. If you're trying to build a champion, well, they they haven't come close, and I don't think this is going to be the year either because every year their goaltending gets more suspect, mm-hmm. and they don't add uh, any more grit or toughness or these things that you know people turn their nose at, up at the notion of during the regular season. They don't add those players for the playoffs. Maybe this will be the year that they break through. I do think... The teams like that, who are good year after year, and they're a 100-point team year after year, if they break through once, it'll be like the Canucks, yeah. you know, breaking through against Chicago and the Slay, Slay the Dragon goal. Of course, they didn't win a cup either, but, you know, they broke through finally after being close. I think Toronto could do that, but nobody yet has done that. I, I'm running through, you know, the Colorado Avalanches, roster in my head because I wasn't expecting this conversation. But even the Colorado Avalanche, they had Duchesne for a while. Remember, they had the the big thing, and then they had Nathan McKinnon. He struggled for after his rookie season. They went through a bit of a swoon. O'Reilly. And then and then they may moved O'Reilly. The Colorado Avalanche went through like three different phases. And guess what? You know what the Avalanche have really done poorly is draft. I know that sounds absurd because they have McKinnon, Ranton, and all these guys. Look at their picks outside the first round. It's It's horrible. Drafting development for the Colorado Avalanche outside their top players has been horrible. One of the worst in the league. What they've done well is hit on their high picks, great trades, and great free agent signings. And their their big pickup at the deadline last year was Josh Manson, who yeah. had terrible analytics in yeah. in Anaheim. So, but Anyways, he was a he was goals. a piece that they needed. Yes. Uh, the thing I, I actually did want to ask you about is because we've been talking about it here. It, it it's tonight almost like a, a microcosm of of how. Uh, exciting and frustrating this team can be because you can see the potential and it's like it's clearly in you to play with this level of effort. Why does it not happen more often? Yeah, well, they are Forrest Gump's box of chocolates, right? <laughs> you, you just you never know. You never know. Well, I can't do a Forrest Gump for <laughs> Man, you. Man, we right had now. George Bush impressions tonight, and yeah. Um, stupid is as stupid does. I guess that explains all of us. Um, they're, you know, they, they've shown that they don't know, haven't figured out how to win and protect leads. They also don't know how to lose properly. They don't know when they should should lose. And I guess that would be my takeaway, that this is a team uh, that is, I've rarely seen a team so flawed and yet so fearless mm. that even with uh, every misstep that they've had to this point, 
they still fervently believe that they can be a playoff team, that they can win games when they're down by four. Is that I don't hubris, know, though? Well, I don't know what it is. I just haven't, I haven't really seen it a yeah. lot before. I mean, it, it, everything is a bit, you know, hubris, uh, ego. Um, but when you talk to those guys, like even cameras off, they they believe that they're a really good team that's just kind of scuffled a bit. Like that's what they believe, and people, you know, we can all guffaw at that. But they really aren't afraid of anything, even from what they've encountered to this point. So you know, I guess fearlessness is a, is a good thing as long as it's not you know you're not playing at the edge of a cliff or something. But uh, they they're never they're never out of it, and they're never safely in. Never home free, never out. No, you're, and that is true. And, and it's hard to take something tangible from a game like this because it's so chaotic. It's maybe the most tangible thing to take away from it, just Elias Pettersson. I mean, we know Bo Horvat scored a big goal, but if we want to talk about a guy taking over, especially in that second and third period, it really was that Pettersson line. They got two goals. They, had, you know, they scored three goals as a line tonight. Yeah, yeah. JT Miller said that Pettersson was dominant yeah. uh, after, and he, and he said that line. I just think... You know, we've talked so much about Petey. We just we just see him at another level. I love that it was Mike Matheson. I don't know if you guys yeah. have talked oh, yeah. about this, yeah. but I love that it was Mike Matheson that he pilfered in overtime. And, and you know, more times than not, that's going to be a tripping call. Mm-hmm. Like his, his stick touched Matheson's leg, but that's literally all it did. And Matheson kind of blew a tire. Uh, but normally when the puck is turned over and it's a scoring chance, you're, you're going to get that call. Even if it's ticky-tacky, if it leads directly to a scoring chance, you usually get that call if you're Montreal. And they didn't get that call. Uh, for some reason, Matheson then decided to retreat when Pedersen was the dangerous player. It looked like he was motioning, I think it was for Suzuki to take him. Suzuki didn't get back. And, and suddenly, Pedersen just took advantage of the opening in the Red Sea. Hey, I should have said the Rouge, Rouge, oh. Blue et Blanc Sea. <laughs> it's very late, people. It is. We've all, we've all, we've all been through a lot tonight. Yes. Trying to, trying to well, uh, well, Ian, proce- process this game. But anyways, Pedersen took it to the net, scores this beautiful goal, and it's it's Mike Matheson, the guy who threw him to the ice four years ago, and was never satisfactorily held to account. And I guess for people who really want something to happen to Mike Matheson, probably they want something worse than just losing the puck in OT on a winning yeah. goal. But I thought it, I thought it was a, uh, a nice moment for Pedersen. I asked him after the game before he did his scrum, you know, did you know that was Mike Matheson that you were doing that too? And he sort of looked at me a long time and said, I'm, I'm going to say no comment. So, <laughs> of course. Of course he knew. He knew. They always, but guys always know. Oh, like they always know what's going every on. situation when they're on the ice, they know yeah. who they're out against. So, and, and knowing Pedersen as we do now, mm-hmm. like four years later, of course he's not going to forget what Mike Matheson did to him because Pedersen is driven to you know just prove people wrong. To you know, anyways, he's 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 one of the best players in the NHL, and I don't know where the Canucks would be without him. I don't know how much it's going to cost him to keep him on their next contract. But uh, he's great to watch every yeah. night. And he, and not only 
because of the goals. It's it's his the entirety of his game. The fact that his coach can break up the best line they have going to try to dangle a carrot to Brock Besser, and it doesn't it doesn't phase Pedersen at all. I, I mean, and in that regard, didn't phase Ilya Mikheyev either. He had a great game. But Pedersen just leads from the front every night. He's one of the best players in this league. If I told you... Uh, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> if I told you he will definitely sign a contract on July 1st, okay? Forget what it looks like. Does that make a bunch of decisions you, you lead up to July 1st, like, look differently? And does that become the most important contract you sign? Well, I think every everything now in the NHL, you, you, you can't... You can't look at things in a vacuum. Like mm-hmm. if you're asking me about Bo Horvat, you can't just look at Bo Horvat and say, "Well, what's he worth to us?" You have to look at, "Well, what what's he worth, and what can we afford? What are our other obligations?" Mm-hmm. And three years from now, what's he going to be versus guys we have? I mean, these are if you're not doing that, then you're you're being fairly rash as as management you have to be looking at those things so answer to your question Bick, yes uh w- they'll already be looking at what it's going to cost them and they'll have they'll have different scenarios and they'll have an idea of how much they can afford to to pay others but it doesn't mean that you know these plans are always fluid and so you may have decided again using horvat as an example you may have decided when you drew your line in the sand at the start of the season, how much was going to be too much and that it's now too much and you can't afford them. You can change your plan. You mm-hmm. can, you can shed money somewhere else. You can buy guys out and, and retain. you can, if you have to, you can change on the fly and maybe they're going to do that with, with Horvat and end up and end up keeping him. I still have a hard time seeing that, but he's, you know, he's another guy that's playing wonderfully, other than his first yeah. couple of games. And I remember talking to him on that road trip because he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't seem dynamic and he seemed tentative. And Bo Horvat, that's one thing he's never looked at ever since he was a rookie, was tentative. But he just has, has played the, some of his, his best hockey, certainly his most offensive hockey. I think defensively there's room when you see a team give up as many goals as Vancouver does. There's room for improvement mm-hmm. for everybody, and and that would be, you know, that's one of my takeaways as well. When you, when you're looking at a game like this, or or how the season has gone, that, that all of the scoring marks that they've got going right now, and yet where is the team? So what, you know, fundamentally there's some things wrong when you're getting that kind of individual yeah. production from players, and yet you're still below four, 500, you haven't been close to the play. Well, I guess they were one point briefly out of the playoffs uh, a week ago. So, you know, there's there's lots that they have to work on, but they have, that's why I say, you know, in terms of the foundation, they have players here to build on. They've just done a poor job of building around them. Yeah, and we'll see what changes happen and when they happen. And quickly before we, before we wrap up the show here, uh, Spencer Martin got the hook tonight. Colin Delia comes in, picks up the W. Uh, it was a bit of an adventure. Goaltending now without Demko. We'll see how Dem- how Martin responds after getting the hook. And I'm very intrigued to see how the goaltending holds up without Thatcher Demko for the next six weeks. Yeah, uh, I think it would be a lot more daunting thought if Thatcher Demko, if it were last year's Thatcher Demko yeah. instead of the guy who was 885. Um but long term, we all know that he's mm-hmm. he's got to be the guy and would be the guy for them. 
six weeks is a long time to go without him with this particular tandem and and Spencer Martin you know he's he's picked up a lot of points for them but he's also let in a lot of goals and he's benefited yeah. from he's benefited from run support I think that's the one thing that both of these goalies and Delia got it tonight I mean, the Canucks scored seven goals in the last 23 minutes ah, unreal so I mean Cam Barra could play goal if he's getting seven goals every 23 minutes yeah, uh, no doubt uh, about that. And well, well there's see. actually some doubt about. That. Well, there's no <laughs> doubt about the amount of goals they scored. But yes, there is a lot of doubt about uh, where this team is trending. But hey, we had a fun night tonight. They found a way to win this one, seven six. We all kind of wonder what happens in San Jose. And and thanks for Ian McIntyre coming on the show tonight. Uh, you're playing hurt, so we always appreciate that. Well, you know, I wouldn't miss it unless I could. Yes. And since I was here, <laughs> I figured I better limp over here. So thank thank you for your concern. I'll be just fine, everyone. Man of my age, occasionally you have surgery on knees and things. So. How many rewrites did you have to do? I only did one because I knew when it got to four four that there was a lot more to come. Right. So I wasn't I wasn't gonna get fooled twice. So I wasted I wasted about half an hour and 400 words in game writing about how awful the Canucks were when they were down 4 nothing. So I, I didn't make the same mistake once they got back into it. Do you save some of those words for a later date or is it just hit delete? I sell them on eBay. <laughs> people buy it on There's eBay. There's always too. people in need of some words. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's all, I, the, the look on Ian's face. When <laughs> you know what? Usually I delete them, but the other, well, not that long ago, I was looking. You should have a I, Hall of Fame I of rewrites. <laughs> I found the remnants of a column that I had started before Game Seven of the Stanley Cup oh, Final. Oh wow! With a oh, Canuck win. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was kind of. Whew. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it felt kind of rude or something, but. No, anyways. that's a good thing to save. Let's save that one for the future. Yeah, it's like Maybe. the T-shirts that it's like someday. It's like you got to send off. Also. Yeah, Some, someday for the memoir book. Yeah, no, I'm no. not writing a memoir. <laughs> not doing it. Ian's no. not doing it. Ian's going to take those stories to the not grave. unless Bruce does. Yeah, he said another chapter in the book he won't write. Well, yeah. I won't write it either unless he wants me to write his. In which case, maybe I'll write it. All right, we'll see. Would you write a novel? Uh it's a lot of words. I I had thought about that when You've I was so younger. You've got something to sell. Yeah. I know. I know. I wrote a children's book. So I'm a published author. Really? Yes. Yes. It was a grade a grade six level textbook. That's how it was how it was framed for me. So Bick and I could understand it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> In high school I was still using some kids' books for <laughs> reference material because it's so basic and you just need a yeah. you know, a thousand word essay. <laughs> Whatever. You just need the basic stuff. So you just get a kid's book. It was so much easier to find, you know, kids history book. It's got Everything you need. I can't. Careful what you need. Yeah. Careful what you need. I know. All right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I was right again. He agreed with me again. Every time he screams out in pain, you know he agreed with something I said. Uh, Ian, great work as always. Read his latest on sportsnet.ca. We always learn something new with Ian McIntyre on the show. He's Bick Nazar filling in for Dan Ricciu on Canuck Central this week alongside myself, Satyar Shah. Back at it again tomorrow at 4. And thanks to Canberra, Fast Eddie Gregory back at the studio. And thanks to all of you listening and interacting with the show. We appreciate every one of you and look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow throughout the day on Sports on 650 and the next broadcast. Canucks in San Jose against the Sharks. 7.30 puck drop, pregame at 6.30 on Wednesday. And this has been the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.